Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to All Stats Aren't We, a podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Elland Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings that work at Leeds United. I'm John McKenzie, the Calvin Phillips drilled pass of the podcast, inch perfect and beautiful to watch. And I'm joined by the Jack Harrison first three touches and a shot of the podcast, Tom Woodhead. Not often correctly done in the right order, but stunning when it comes off. And finally, the dangled leg of Rodrigo of the podcast. No, no, oh... No, it's Josh Hobbs. Josh, how are you doing? Yeah, good. Yeah, good, mate. That was a funny one to get there. I know. I knew I'd get the um, abusive one, as I'd seem to get whenever, <laughs> whenever Darren's not on. It's, it basically depends whether I'm on with Darren, doesn't it? Whether I whether I get the abuse or not. But yeah, doing well. Good. And Tom Woodhead, how are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad, sir. Oh, nice and simple. <laughs> Right, this is, of course, the Liverpool Match Preview Podcast, so... Review Podcast. Oh, <laughs> I'm so bad at this. <laughs> did I say preview again? Yeah, review. Oh, it's, it's the Liverpool Review review Podcast. <laughs> Basically, can we just agree that when I say one, I mean the other, and um, <laughs> just treat that as the, as the rule? How did it feel, Tom Woodhead, to be back in the Premier League? It felt terrifying at first it felt exciting it felt um it was it was very gratifying to be able to see us playing our way and it looking pretty much like we remember it uh, but against one of the best teams in the world uh it was a it was certainly a, a a weird emotional experience i think going from conceding a penalty in the first five minutes and thinking ah oh, this could be not quite as fun as we expected it to actually giving the, the game a good old go, really. Um, Hobbsy, how was the game for you? Yeah, I, I said before the game yesterday, I was just like, I just, I want, I'm determined to enjoy this. I've waited for 16 years. I don't have an expectation of us getting anything against Liverpool. I just want to enjoy it. And actually, we ended up playing so, so well, despite the carnage of the game. I was ultimately disappointed <laughs> because I thought we might actually get get something at, at Anfield. And I woke up this morning still feeling that way. Woke up this morning feeling, oh man, we actually nearly took something from, from Anfield. So I don't want to um, 
be like that throughout the season where I sort of just spend every game being like, oh, I'm great, just grateful to compete kind of thing. But <laughs> against Liverpool, you've got to have that sort of reality. And uh, yeah, yesterday was fun. We announced ourselves in the Premier League, even though we lost, we announced ourselves. People realised, oh, Leeds are going to be something to behold at least. <laughs> yeah, and um, given that the other two promoted sides sort of whimpered to 3-0 losses, um, I, I, exactly. I'm assuming that West Brom didn't concede another goal after I stopped watching. <laughs> no, no, it was 3-0. It was a real emotional roller coaster, as I say. You know, it, it was a funny one because I think we all came into this not wanting to get our hopes up too much. Um, I don't think we wanted to... Um, we didn't want to sort of jump to, to any sort of conclusion, but um, after going going down the goal and then constantly coming back after Liverpool went up 1-0, like you said, Hobbsy, at the end, it almost felt as though we'd done enough to at least get a point. Um, is that how you felt, Tom? It definitely felt like that at the time, yeah. I mean, I think always when you concede a goal that late on, you're going to be disappointed mm. and you're going to feel like you could have got something out of the game but um i think it was it was it was mostly the um just the general flow of things that it looked like we were a force to be contended with that that made me happy like uh, you could see at times liverpool defenders just looking genuinely worried about us which when when you say as you say when you watch that west brom game and the um fulham game you didn't really see much of that from the opposition Right, so let's start going through the game itself in terms of maybe the, the mechanics of it a little bit more. Um, I'm going to reverse the order that I've put down on the um, running order. I've, I put defensively, then offensively. So let's start with the offensive side of things because I think it, we should get the um, XG battle um, out of the way early on. So we've got a couple of questions from listeners. So the first one is from Stephen, who says, why was I XG so low? Isn't Click's chance worth 0.3 XG on its own, given proximity to goal? And also, is that a record low in the Bielsa era? Um, and Johnny Turner, Jonathan Turner, sorry, says, after 16 years of hurt, is there now less pressure on Leeds now? Are they able to just set themselves free of worry? Thinking in relation to Harrison's and Klich's shooting seemed less nervy than last season. So the the reality is that um, yesterday various models gave us um, from between like 0.25 to um, about 0.6 xg for our three goals, which is um, unlike us. I tweeted from our account yesterday. I, I like this clinical version of Leeds United that we've uh, we've got in the Premier League, and that was very much the, um, the 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 situation. How do we feel about the XG battle? It's it's funny, isn't it? Because I think a lot of people sort of set this up as being the potential Norwich game this season of um, everyone will remember the Norwich game that Liverpool played in their opening fixture last season where uh, Norwich ended up losing 4-1 and everyone came out saying that they were naive tactically Um, but actually if you looked at the performance really on the basis of the numbers Norwich were a little bit unlucky and they could probably have have scored a little bit more this feels to me as though it was maybe the other way around it feels as though Leeds were well Leeds were obviously lucky to get three goals out of their game Um, and I suppose had had those goals not gone in we could be having a completely different conversation today and and we could have been the media could have had a completely different conversation yesterday and um uh, it, it might have set off the the season in a whole different way so i'll go to you first hobsey what's your whole take on the xg thing on y scout we've got the three goals bamford's goal 0.41 xg on y scout which is so different to info goal which had 0.06 
Like I actually can't believe the discrepancy between the two there. But mm. it's it's very hard to um, sort of say too much about that other than that I think that one should be... I reckon that should be sat in the middle, like 0.2 kind of thing. But we obviously didn't create loads in terms of um, actual shots and the ones that we had, <laughs> we pretty much all scored them all. But I think what I would say is we got their defence turned on several occasions we got in behind on several occasions and they had to make last ditch blocks and interceptions to stop like uh hernandez went in behind and tried to square it to bamford van dyke just cut it out just before it went to bamford who would have been in acres of space on the edge of the box um i think that happened maybe twice and then bamford got put through on goal just before harrison scored and that i think would have been our best chance of all if Bamford had taken the shot instead of um instead of trying to take around the keeper which he even said himself after after the game in his interview he said that he felt annoyed at himself that he didn't take that shot but I think it's a weird one when you outshoot xg as much as we did in that game but I think there is a little bit of a pattern for us under Bielsa where we actually seem to outshoot our xg in games where we aren't dominant but in games where we create like three, four XG, that's where we really, really struggle to score. And I don't know exactly why that happens. Maybe because of the sort of shape of opponents' defences, making it that the shots are actually easier to get off. Harrison had them backpedalling. Bamford had a clear one-on-one. And that, I think the click goal was just a very well-taken goal. But um, sorry, I've gone off on a real... <laughs> monologue there but i think it's interesting because it's almost it's almost like the same sort of thing that we see in reverse a lot of the time yeah exactly and we talk about that a lot in terms of the fact that that liverpool play a really high line they're playing possession football and they're the reason they play that high line is because they want to compress their team so that they can make quick counter presses if they lose the ball in turnovers and we we do a similar thing I don't, we don't do it quite so much as, as they do but um, I suppose that that means that, that Liverpool are always going to be on the risk of, of being able to be broken on and the same is true of us like we try and do build up play and if we lose the build up um, lose the ball in build up we're quite open um, so that when teams counter attack us um, you're going to create those chances that are maybe um, a little bit easier so they don't show up uh, in the XG as much so I think there's maybe something going on on there as well um tom what's your take on this i, th- I think a lot of the time on on our really high xg games you know when we're posting up like 2.534 xg occasionally in games last season a lot of it tends to be made up of lots of very small xg chances i think as well like we have you know a load of like 0.1 xg chances where people are getting blocks in or um you know it's it's cutbacks to mm. a player who's you know, got a couple of players in front of him and things like that. Um, and we didn't really have any of those yesterday because it was a completely different kind of game. So um, I think that there's that element of it. I mean, And then there is also the fact that obviously when you only create three chances and score all of them, that is an element of mm. luck. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get too bogged down in it because I think as, as again, Josh was saying, there was that uh, Pablo cutback that if, if, uh, 
Van Dijk doesn't get his toe to that, then that's a great mm. chance. And, and again, the Bamford one, which neither of those would have registered on XG. So uh, I think there are sort of caveats. Um, and it, in the end, we did lose the game. So it's not like we, c- we can sit here saying that we did, that we were ultimately mm. lucky in terms yeah. of the fact that we, you know, we didn't yeah. get that point. We, we could have probably sat here and said, yeah, we were lucky if we ended up drawing the game, but we didn't, mm. we lost. So I think it's fair enough. Yeah, and, and it was, I think we were, even though we would we would have been lucky to have drawn it, we still would have felt that we put in a fantastic performance. So it's it's not like yeah, we yeah. it's not like we're saying oh we didn't really create enough to warrant the three goals that we scored, but just saying on another day that it might not have gone gone like mm-hmm. that. But we said to the players they need to step up and be better in the Premier League, and Jack Harrison did it, and you know. It's, to an extent, people like uh, Costa did it. I think Bamford played magnificently. Mm. So, um, you know, th- this is players reacting to what they need to do and, and hopefully we see more of that as the weeks go on. And it's it's certainly a good um, indicator that um, underdog football suits us in, in that respect. And I think that's something that um, we'll certainly um, take forward into the new season. I suppose my, my big sort of worry is that, you know, we take this sort of performance... Um, a four-three loss, and 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 we sort of over-exaggerate its its meaning um, on the basis of the xG, and we sort of say, you yeah, know, we're we're going to be fine in the Premier League because we scored three against Liverpool. When actually, if you boil down the numbers, it 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 really looks like we've been quite lucky to to score three. And um, you know, I'd I'd much rather we <laughs> wasted our good luck in terms of overperforming xG in games against Crystal Palace than 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 against Liverpool. But it may simply be the case that you know the games state being what it was um, we were more likely to do that against um, Liverpool than, than Palace but um, I'm, I don't want to talk too much about expectations going forward because we'll do that later on in the podcast let's carry on talking about some of the attacking aspects of the game so um, we didn't we've, we've talked about how we didn't create a lot of chances and there was a question from Brolin ate the pie about about the Liverpool press in fact there's two questions from Brolin ate the pie and I think they were linked but we can talk about this the first question is this Leeds conceded possession in the middle third was this Liverpool's pressing force um, pressing forcing the pace of Leeds's play um, and then he asks Leeds seemed unable to clear lines from, lines from corners effectively or recycle balls back into the box creating opportunities for Liverpool was this due to an inexperienced centre-back pair I suspect that the two things are linked um, let's talk about the Liverpool's pressing because I think Liverpool's obviously pressing was, was obviously um, very very intense but what I'm really interested in actually is whether or not you think that Leeds uh, try to o- play over the press more than they would have done in the championship where they playing a high pressing team in the championship we know that Leeds struggled in the championship against high pressing teams um, especially against Barnsley um, it felt like to me anyway that Melier was going long more than we would expect it felt like we were actually using Melier in the build-up play a lot more than we would uh, usually. Usually we, pl- we were playing it between the two centre-backs not really going back to the goalkeeper at all uh, and yesterday we were hitting the goalkeeper all the time in build-up um, and also just sort of it just sort of felt like we were generally um, going longer quicker um, we were under more pressure so yeah Hobsey what did you make of Liverpool's pressing and how do you think that affected our attacking play was it ever in our game plan to try and build up more or was 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 that something that simply was forced by Liverpool there was always an expectation that this is going to be sort of the most we've been pressed well, I guess that's what I, what I thought, but I'd actually say I felt we were. I felt more scared by Barnsley's press, like just a, 
however long that was ago, a couple of it wasn't even a couple of months ago, but whenever that was, that press from Barnsley seemed to worry me more. I think we obviously, like you say, we were trying to, I guess, work our way around that, sort of chipping it out to full backs quite a bit. It seemed to go out mm. to Ailing quite a bit. Um, and then also, well, I tweeted this earlier, but I couldn't believe how easy it was for Phillips to receive the ball in the middle, turn and play that play the ball to Harrison uh, for mm. for our first goal. I just I thought he would be sort of swarmed, but Kaita was sort of nowhere near him when he received the ball and Firmino had obviously gone. I think he went to Strauk at the time. Um so we were managing to get through it in the middle uh on the occasion and the, in that occasion it was obviously um we cashed in. Uh and as you say we were trying to play over the top uh, to the wings. And I think we'll see that not just uh, against Liverpool. I think we'll see that in uh, against any team that wants to press us in the Premier League um, because Harrison and Costa have got pace uh, and they're real outlets for us. And I think, uh, yeah, I didn't expect Harrison to um, have been that decisive and that clinical. I was really, really pleased to see that. Hope to see that more. Um, a fantastic goal. Uh, for our first goal back <laughs> and uh, Costa I think had a really good game as well so mm. I hope um, I hope that we do keep doing that sort of going to them early. Yeah it's interesting I was on Scout today trying to I'm, I'm doing a video analysis piece which will go up on our Patreon and I wanted to do something about Liverpool's pressing because I was quite interested in it and maybe it's because I'm not very good at using Scout, but I actually struggled to find any real examples of of us losing the ball in a counter press in in the sort of classic sense of the word it felt like a lot of the time we lost the ball in build up because we passed badly um which i think is the result of pressing but it's not it's not sort of the your standard this is why you press kind of pressing if if that makes any sense so yeah. um what i found what i found really interesting was that actually it felt as though we were breaking up the the build up play at times because i don't know whether it was nerves or not but um i think i i found stuart dallas um was losing the ball a lot um, from poor yeah, passing, he, he was um, uh, the 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 worst. I think the worst offender in terms of the the losing the ball in pressing was actually Pablo Hernandez, which is very bizarre. Um, but we'll talk about Pablo later on. But um, in that sense, it felt as though it felt to me um, just initially on 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 a couple of watchbacks that Leeds were not trying to get bogged down in a pressing battle in the in the midfield. With Liverpool, they were trying to move the ball quickly and then get it over, like you said, to the to the wide players, um, rather than sort of trying to play through play through the press. Although there are a few times when we did play through the press, um, it, it just felt like we were much happier to if if there was the threat of a press uh, to just get the ball long and and see what we could do with it there. Um, Tom, in terms of in terms of your watching of the game, um, how did you read this side of things? Did you feel under pressure from Liverpool a lot of the time? How did how did you feel in terms of the the sort of pace of play in the middle when when the game was going on? Um, there were a couple of things that I noticed. Um, one of them was that although Liverpool were pressing us, they they almost seemed to just as they reached the man stop. And I'm I'm sure that was deliberate, like uh, you know, to cut out passing lanes rather than attempting to tackle. As I feel like, if this was Harrison pressing, Harrison would probably try and win the ball when he's mm. when he's 
going up against the opposition mm. defender, whereas uh, Mane and Salah would, would stand slightly off the defender and let them try and play a pass. Um, and the other thing I noticed that was that um, Click and Hernandez were not coming deep in build-up anywhere as often as they normally would. Like When we have when we've have games where we have 60-65% of the mm. ball, you'll have one of the central midfielders, one of the eights, will come back and play with Phillips. And we didn't really see that at all yesterday. Maybe once or twice from Hernandez, and as he said, he lost the ball a couple of times. But usually those players were staying fairly high up the pitch because we weren't, yeah, as you say, getting bogged down in that um, playing around at the back too much. We were trying to get the ball forward quite quickly. So I guess it makes sense to have them up there ready to support the attack. Yeah, I, I should say um, and reiterate this, that, that Liverpool do press differently to us. We we have an aggressive press where we, we're sort of ball-orientated, where we just go to the ball and try and win it back with the two closest players so that we can get all of our players off the ball um, into, into that uh, man-oriented structure. Whereas Liverpool are doing a lot more of a sort of funneling exercise with their pressing. So uh, they know that they're vulnerable down the wide areas. So they want to they want to get the ball away from the wide areas and get it into the middle um, where they've got three midfielders who sit fairly deep. So it sort of gets bogged down a little bit more. So um, their press is, I think, a little bit more designed to sort of funnel the ball into the middle. And then you've got your three central midfielders who you can then have your aggressive counter press in. So um, I think... I think I think that's uh, an important point to make so yeah thanks for that um let's move on and talk about the you've already mentioned costa and harrison hobsey being being um uh being decent james smethurst asked if we could give some sort of analysis of the winger swapping over this happened for about 10 minutes um before the end of the first half uh maybe a bit longer than that um and he says uh, why why was this and how successful was it um Tom, we'll stay with you. Did you what did you make of this? Did you think this was a sort of just a, an attacking mix-up thing, or did you think I I suggested on the Twitter feed that it was maybe defensive, uh, but I'm not entirely sure I, I'm right in, in saying that. So, what was your take on this? I mean, the only thing I could think of was that Harrison had already scored. He was having a good game on the left, but most of Liverpool's danger was coming down the other mm-hmm. side. So, I, I wondered if maybe because uh, Robertson, we, you know, Ailing was doing well getting forward on the right. And maybe it was something to do with that, that we wanted Harrison, who was at that point, you know, full of confidence following his goal, maybe have him in more positions where we are linking up well on the right hand side and, 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 and where Liverpool won't look as dangerous when they break. Because mm. I think I think Ailing de- dealt with Mane incredibly well throughout the entire game. So mm. um, it, I think, it, as you say, I mean, I guess that would make it a defensive thing in a sense. But uh, I, I just wondered if it was to see whether that combination between the fullback and the winger would maybe work a bit better than we were than the way it was. For me, it was it was linked to Hernandez on that side too. I think uh, Costa's obviously like the weaker of the two wingers in terms of defensive work, and um, uh, Hernandez, if he's playing over on that right hand side, the that combination of Costa and Hernandez is, it doesn't really give much cover to to ailing at all so that was my thinking but obviously have you got any advance on that no not not really i didn't i obviously noticed it at the time that it happened um but i didn't i wasn't entirely sure why it was happening but it is also something that i'd like to see a bit more of i just like the idea of wingers uh that swap just to give fullbacks a little bit more to think about um particularly as both of those players are capable of playing on on either side uh, just mm. brings something a little bit different but as you say it may well have been a defensive thing um but i i quite like it on in an attacking sense what what i didn't really understand about it was that it just sort of happened and then it unhappened yeah. 
when we didn't do it again yeah exactly so um whether or not there was like an inversion in terms of the t- t- the two eights i didn't really notice i didn't i haven't looked at that enough because i didn't get the ball enough the two eights for me to to really focus on them in, in, in watching so i wonder whether or not they switched over maybe Bielsa decided that actually wanted Harrison back over on the other side so they switched Hernandez and click over in the middle but um, that's just pure speculation for me Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping and that extends to their outdoor collection their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements featuring rust proof stainless steel hardware weather ready teak and quick dry foam cushions for Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Let's move on to talk a little bit about the defensive side because the defensive side is so fascinating. I know I'm on a bit of a um, Bielsa's defensive system um, uh, push at the moment but um, let's let's talk a little bit about that I think the the, the biggest question on everyone's lips was one is Robin Koch going to fit into the system uh, well and um, the other one was is is Pascal Strauch good enough um, to play on his own with with Koch so we had a couple of questions about this um, Matt Keegan's Wood friend of the podcast said uh, I know it's one game, but are we more pop- are we more comfortable um, that Strauch can be an able Cooper deputy at left centre back? Um, he said, I-, "I thought Koch looked decent as well after a difficult start. He could have melted, but got better as the game went on." And then Sydney Roff Diamond says, "When out of possession, I believe White was pretty much always the spare man. How do you see the roles of Strauch and Koch when Cooper is absent? They both played that role at times yesterday. So, um, yeah, we'll go with you, Hobbsy. What did you make of the centre back pairings? How did you think uh, Koch played, and uh, how did you feel about Strauch? Horrible first few minutes, I would say for for both of them. Um, but I'm not holding that against them. It was." the worst situation for them to be dropped into for Koch to make his uh, debut uh, against Liverpool, having only had four days with the team in the first place is hard enough if Liam Cooper had been next to him. Having to suddenly be the senior centre-back in a team that you don't know um, mm. is is a horrible situation. And for him to have that penalty uh, given against him... Um, yeah, just just nasty stuff to have. But I also thought Strout got um, he got caught out in behind a couple of times early on. I think with um, Firmino running off the back of him, and it was just a bit in that first sort of five minutes. I was thinking, oh, this this could be an absolute battering here. Um, but then I think they both settled. Um, Strout particularly, um, I was particularly impressed with his passing uh, once he got himself settled. Uh, and I think both of them. I just think I'm not going to judge either of them really on that game. Um, I'm I'm pleased with what I saw from uh, from Strauch, 
um, particularly because I di- just didn't know how he would be able to stand up in the Premier League in general, let alone against um, against that front three. Um, so I think he can contribute there uh, going forwards, although that isn't to say that I'm not wanting another centre-back. Um, and Koch, I'm sure, will um, he will step up. And I think he looked better as the game went on, although I noted that he seemed basically quite terrified to make another block after after giving away the penalty and I think that might have contributed to him not getting out to to block Salah's second goal um mm. in the way that he probably would have done he did go towards the ball and he still made let me just tell you he still made uh the second most blocks in our team um after Ailing um so he made 5 and Ailing made 6 um but I just didn't think he was as aggressive in going for it as as he would have been. And I think you would be shaken in confidence, wouldn't you, after giving away a penalty at Anfield in the first, first three minutes of your debut. Tom, what did you make of, of Cox's debut? I think it's, it's it's interesting, isn't it, how many people have been citing him as a as a like-for-like like replacement for White. And I've always been a staunch defender that he isn't a direct replacement for White. What did you make of his his game yesterday? Yeah, there was there were definitely in possession. Um, I, I think you could clearly see that he's not the kind same kind of player as White. He doesn't. He he did bring the ball out once, mm. I think, but in general, um, he's he's clearly as well still learning the patterns of mm, our midfield yeah. and how they rotate when we've got the ball at the back. Which you know that's not his fault. Um, in general, apart apart from. Well, in fact, not even apart from that, because I don't think it was a penalty. So I'm not going to hold that against him. Uh, I I thought he played okay, like solid, not spectacular, um, something to build on. And and Strauch, I thought as well. Uh, I take I take that he does have one big weakness, I think, which is his pace on the turn, uh, his acceleration when people run past him. Uh, he's usually a yard or two behind them by the time he's properly turned round. But uh, apart from that. I think he looks like he could do okay. Um, he's definitely big enough and strong enough to cope with the physicality of the Premier League. If um, you know that 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 element of pace aside, so um, and and as 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 Josh said, his passing was really good. So uh, you can never be totally happy when you've conceded four goals with your defence, can you? But. Um, I think it definitely looked like something to build on. Yeah, and in answer to that second question about about the spare man, mm. and in response to actually what you were saying, Hobbsy, about about it seeming like Strauch was getting turned a lot in in the first few minutes. Actually, again, I've done quite a little bit, quite a bit of an analysis on the centre back positioning from the first half in the in the video analysis that I'm putting out for tomorrow. And it, actually, one of the things that I've noticed is that actually the centre backs cut have to pick up a huge amount of slack from the rest of the team um, and what you see a few times actually is Strauch having to sort of gamble on do you do I go for the ball with the player marking that I'm marking is it more important for me to close down the ball carrier or the keep stay with the player that I'm marking yeah. and a few times he makes the decision to go for the ball so there's there's one example I think very early yeah, on yeah. actually there's there's um there's that chance in about about one minute 30 where I was just like oh my yeah I goodness, can remember this this is going to be awful um but yeah essentially I can't remember who it was but someone gets around I think it might be it's either under Alexander Arnold or um Cater but gets past loses his own man marker comes towards Strauch with the 
the ball and Strauch's got Firmino on him and Strauch has to decide, do I step back with Firmino and let Cater come or do I go to Cater and then and Firmino can go behind me? And that's uh, the reason why Strauch goes to him is because we literally have the free man for this reason, right? So you, you should feel confident that you can go for the more dangerous player and the person behind you will then pick up your man. And... Um, yeah, that didn't happen a few times, and I think the 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 issue is is that as soon as as soon as you have an imbalance further up the field, the 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 book the book stops with the centre backs, and so everyone will be like, oh, the centre backs had a terrible game. When actually, you, if you trace it back genetically, you get to a point where you say, and actually, a few times it was Stuart Dallas is just sort of out of position, and and then the rest of the team has to sort of fold back in 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 terms of different orders of, of preference until it comes back to Strauch who then has two players on him and he has to pick one and he just can't win either way yeah. um but I agree with Sydney Rough Diamond he's uh, I do think that Cock is going to be the the extra man but the the thing is is that it's it is fluid it, we put up a video on our um Twitter feed the other day of Bielsa coaching Argentina and he calls it a partial liber- libero um so yeah the free man is the libero and what he says is that you as a defender you're constantly making that assessment am I am I in the best situation here or should I push on to a different man and then allow the free man to pick up my man? Um, and that was happening a lot yesterday. And I think as the game went on, uh, it got better. I think we, we generally got better at um, making sure we we're sitting in that system. And to be fair to you again, like Koch has only been playing for like four days or whatever it is yeah. with, the, with the side. Um, so I wouldn't hold that against them. Um, but sticking with the man oriented system, we had, a, we did have a few questions Um uh, about about things. So um, GMF asked, do you reckon there will be any situations where we would be better to switch from the man-marking system, say against City, or we would just r- rock it all season? Liverpool, Elland Road, what would you do differently, if, if anything? Um, and then Simon Bielsa Peel, which I suspect is probably not his actual name, <laughs> uh, says, is talk of 4-4-2, etc. passe. Does Bielsa defend plus one and attack minus one render talk of such formations somewhat defunct I only thought of this when I saw Leeds against a good a team as good as Liverpool although obviously we were very fluid over two seasons especially versus Barnsley and um, there's another clip that I've included in the video analysis um, of of Luke Ayling chasing um, Mane all the way over into the left back area uh, and actually results in a chance um, for Mane later on because um, Ailing actually pulls back across to the sort of right back position, and Mane stays where he is. Um, but it did make me think. It did make me think of that, and 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 I was thinking, you know, what would what would it actually look like if we literally stayed in that pure man oriented system? So you don't have like a back four of a left back, two centre backs, and a right back. You just sort of say, well, you're going to be keeping an eye on these players. So if you invert the wingers. You just switch sides as, as as the left back and right back, but I, I think it's mad for for a lot of reasons. Um, one one of which is 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 simply that you just can't keep up that kind of man marking in in a really fluid system. So there has to be uh, pass o- uh, crossover and stuff like that. But Tom Tom, what's your take on this in terms of in terms of the man oriented system? Do you think that do you think we're tactically flexible enough to be able to do that sort of tweak and just be like, right, we're going to zonally mark now, or do you think once you're in, you're in and that's it? I think it would be an absolute disaster if we just suddenly decided for one game to <laughs> oh yeah we're gonna we're gonna completely change this up. I think for better or for worse we're in this for the long haul and it's gonna yeah. be man to man because that's just how we've been playing for two years and how how we'll continue mm. to play. I, I can definitely see that it would make pragmatic sense to switch things up against someone like Man City, but it I th- yeah as I say it, it would it would go badly wrong I think if we did. 
Hobbsy, do you have any thoughts on this? I think it's not just how we've played for two seasons, but it's how Bielsa has coached for his entire career. He ain't changing. <laughs> like, <laughs> and and if we were going to ever change it, it would have been yesterday. Um, yeah. So the fact that we we turned up and we did it like that uh, yesterday tells me, yeah, that's that's the all the evidence you're going to need that that's not going to happen. Mm. And one example that really stood out to me, uh, yes, it was near the end of the first half, and um, I th- for a minute I thought Bamford was injured because they had the ball, um, they had the ball in the back line, and I was thinking, where is where is Bamford? He would normally be there, sort of pressing the centre-backs and then this, the camera sort of panned out a bit and he was stood in our right-back position marking someone in the right-back position <laughs> I was like he's followed someone all the way back there <laughs> what's what just I can't believe like that was one of the most stark examples that I've seen of like that's your man and you follow that guy until you then for whatever reason you then pass him over but I, I was quite surprised that, that he hadn't passed him over but um yeah Pat Bamford marking at right back. There was another moment I remember when, uh, and and it was the moment when Carragher uh, picked up on it as well, but where Cock followed mm. Firmino basically deep into their own half almost, and you could you could actually see Firmino kind of like what what's going on here? <laughs> like he was sort of like he kept coming deeper and deeper, and then he looked at his teammates like this guy is not going to leave me alone. Mm. I think what I would say about the defensive system is we gave up one xg from open play yesterday against Liverpool away at Anfield mm. I don't think that Bielsa is going to look at the numbers and think we should be changing things up um, I think mm. that's a, a damn good job <laughs> yeah uh, defensively I would say as well that our our defensive system looks I think a lot of the time it looks bad there's an aesthetic quality to our defending which makes people think that things are worse than they actually are um, it reminds me of, of of the phenomenon that people talk about with Burnley as well, where where you look at, at at Burnley and you just think they should be doing so much worse than they actually are, but they get a huge amount of blocks in. We got in, I think it was thirteen blocks um, over the course of the game yesterday, which is pretty ridiculously high. And um, you know, yeah, you don't you don't want to be getting into situations where you're having to make last ditch tackles, but if your system is allowing you to do that, you're clearly doing something right. Um, and yeah, you know, when you when you man mark so so tightly, it all it only it only takes one mess up for the whole system to fall to pieces once. Um, so it's it's a funny old thing. So it goes between sort of being the most beautiful thing ever. I spend time like watching our videos back, and when you see the whole thing actually work out, and you can trace all the players switching switching their markers all the way through the pitch and then ending up uh, defending successfully it looks really great but as soon as one person miss, miss, messes up and then yeah. everyone else is out on their back then then you can create those chances they, those chances do emerge so I think it's fine the classic situation I remember last season was Eddie and Ketia chasing back uh, for the first goal that Birmingham scored in the um, in the 5-4 when he couldn't get the right side of his man and then Harrison and Alioski were like oh he's coming at us and Eddie's not got it one of them went out and then suddenly the entire left mm. side uh, was free and they just ran in behind cut the ball back for um, mm. Jude Bellingham to, to score and that, that was like oh <laughs> that's what happens if the man marking system goes wrong they just scored a piss easy goal. Right, one more thing on defensive side of things, um, which is set pieces. Um, we had a bit of uh, we had a bit of a discussion about. Uh, there's, well, there's a couple of things, isn't there? I mean, Robin Koch 
was very easily lost on the first uh, on the Van Dyke goal. Um, Robin uh, P- Pascal Strauch also um, headed the ball straight to Mohamed Salah on on a free kick. I think it was a free kick. Um, and there was, I think there was another situation. Well, there was another situation as well later on in the game when Robin Koch. Actually, I don't think it was from a set piece, but we can talk about this as we go on. But clearly, there was there were still issues from set pieces. So Daniel Ryan says, I think our obvious frailties from set pieces and crosses into the box needs box need to be looked at. I completely get the fact our starting centre back and captain were out yesterday, and who replaced him. But we need, looked like conceding from every cross that we faced last night. Uh, and Daniel Vatterini says, "Why did Liverpool seem to have three men on the edge of the area every time we cleared the the ball straight out to their feet?" Um, who wants to who wants to jump on this one um, in terms of the set piece side of things? Do you want to jump in, Tom? I think the some the two things are somewhat linked in that we tend to put all the men back in the box for set pieces because we're not very good at dealing (laughs) with them so we put as many men back as possible and then obviously there will be no one to pick up the players who are lurking on the outside of the box so I think those two things are somewhat linked Mm. Um, it's just I think to a certain extent it's just really hard when you're up against big brick shithouses like Van Dyke and you're not a team full of big brick shithouses Um, but Liverpool were obviously very clever with their um, little routine that you know blocked off clock for their cock for their goal, and it, yeah. it, it did it. Uh, they did it multiple times. It wasn't just a one-off thing. Um, and I, I, I half wonder if that's the kind of thing that maybe halfway through the season we might have picked up via scouting uh, that they do that. But obviously, there's no season yet, so we, you know, they might not have even done it before. I think they executed that that block uh, set piece so well that I, I think. You know, I, I mean, I think you know that's coming with Liverpool. They, that's a thing that they do, and they have been doing for quite some time. But they executed that so well that it it didn't matter. But I think it looks awful when you watch it in um, in real time. It looks like uh, oh, how on earth have we just let Van Dyke get a free header? And it just looks like crap. But that is a very well worked set piece um, that they they work on those all the time and they've scored a lot of goals from those mm. uh since van dyke uh, has signed it's they've really been able we, to utilize him in that way and clever clever runs make space for him to score and there was a goal that was disallowed as well because um yeah they did the same thing curtis jones tri- tripped Koch. fortunately <laughs> there was more of a foul in that one whereas the other yeah, one yeah, is yeah. just that he just puts his body in the way of him but yeah yeah i i think i think the um yeah, I, I had my sort of questions. I, I said saying to John last night that I had questions over um, Strauch's um, header uh, that Salah then scored from. I I felt he should have headed it off the pitch for a corner rather than head it back because um, I think that invited them to have another shot. But I mean, even then, it was a ridiculous finish. Um, mm. That was the, like the best moment of individual quality in the game. Um, but yeah, I I I don't want to criticize the 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 defense really because at the end of the day we're not great at set pieces anyway. Let alone with a centre back, uh, yeah, two centre backs making their um their debuts in that position. Yeah, just a couple of things I guess I would say. One of them is that Strauch I think heads the probably heads the ball out that way because he simply 
like five minutes earlier, nearly chipped um, Melier <laughs> with a clearance. So he's probably a little bit worried about doing that again. I also think, actually, I've watched that, that clip back a few times. And uh, from what I can tell from the, the ball in, he's 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 jumping and he's sort of at the zenith of his jump. And he just sort of has to get anything on that header. And I don't think he has much control over where it goes either. Um, and I think in that sort of situation, you would much rather he just headed it and got a head on it and it went somewhere. You don't expect it to then fall perfectly to their striker who then takes a touch and absolutely cleans it into the top corner um so yeah yeah, that's just it's one of those things where it reminds me of um our response to the cardiff game last season where we just picked the bones of every little thing being like could we have avoided this draw um it feels like we we you can do that a little bit too much as well and i feel like you know i think i'm 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 much happier actually with robin cock and um Strike uh, as as centre backs in terms of set pieces because they're both fairly decent headers of the ball. They're both quite tall, and um, I, I didn't f- I didn't feel I think maybe Daniel was as being a little bit overreactionary. I didn't feel like we looked like conceding from every cross we faced last night. And I should say actually as well something I haven't mentioned, but I think Robin Cock is really good at what I call backwards defending, which is defending when the ball's going back towards your goalkeeper and there's a striker on you. Um, and there's a yeah. few cha- there's a few times when I've, and again this is something I've put in the video analysis. I think one of the reasons maybe we brought him in is because that's that's Cooper's weak point. Um, Cooper's really mm-hmm. bad at backwards mm. defending, so I think that they brought in Koch so that in the Premier League, if those things do happen, then you'll have Koch dropping in, um, running back towards the goal and, and, and tidying up. Yeah, the um that that moment where he I think he I can't remember if it was Mane or if it was Firmino, but he was basically in a foot race with yeah. with them. He got he got his body in front of them and then he had Melier coming out at him, he was going towards him, but he just managed to sort of curve his run. And then play a pass up the line, um, and yeah, I, I, that any time I see that scenario, I flash back to Derby at Ellen Road, and uh, it's <laughs> it's a horrible it's a horrible <laughs> thought crosses my mind. But yeah. yeah, he did really well in that situation. Yeah, it was it was Mane, and yeah, again, I've included it in the video analysis. So if you're interested in seeing that, just um, sign up to our Patreon. Um, but yeah, it, it uses his strength in an incredible way um, to, to, to get between the ball. And I, I think had it been any of our other centre-backs in that situation, he would have been through and, and probably had a one-on-one chance. So um, it was nice to see that. Well, Ailing would have just fallen over and won a free to be fair. Yeah, he would have had to force himself in front of the player first. So maybe he wouldn't have managed <laughs> it. But... This is true. Um, right, let's move on. I want to talk about um firstly whether or not we can take anything from this game um I think there's a lot of people sort of looking at the game and being like oh we'll obviously be fine in the Premier League um I'm interested in whether or not you agree with that take Tom I don't think you can ever read that much into one game uh it definitely made me think that we can we can play the way that we played last year in the Premier League and we can hurt teams playing that way um I know you're quite down on it John like the the (laughs) idea of reading anything into the game I can't help but read it, something into it, uh, you know. Even even if it's not entirely rational, it made me. It made me. It definitely made me think everything's probably going to be okay. I I would be certain that we could read into it that it's going to be fun this season. Um, that's different yeah. from it being okay. But I do. I genuinely think that the yeah. difference between us, West Brom and Fulham, is that our game yesterday was fun, and their two games just weren't. Yeah. And right. like you know, yeah, maybe maybe. I think we'll we'll have a great season. I think it'll be really enjoyable to watch. But I don't think that on the basis of yesterday's game, you can say we're going to be fine in the Premier League. That's all I'm I'm, I'm willing to say. Yeah, I mean, I guess I guess there's different 
things there's different definitions of fine aren't there i mean i don't think it means that we're finishing 10th or 9th mm. or 8th but you've got to think that if we can play that well against liverpool we can finish 17th i don't know <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the bar i mean in rea- in reality though that that is the first bar for us and then anything else is is yeah. bonus well, but exactly, um, yeah, yeah I, I would say i would say i i put an early take out there immediately after game after the game which was essentially that take of ah we're going to be fine like if that's what we can do at Anfield we're going to be fine but in the sort of cold light of day it is like okay actually you can't really make that leap but yes definitely going to be fun (laughs) and I do think yeah I I, I mean we're definitely going to be better than at least two teams I think we're going to I think we're going to go to um, at least one of the the big six and cause a shock. I think we we very nearly did yesterday. Uh, I think I'm I'm willing to say we we're, we're going to beat one of them at one stage. It made me feel the same as I already felt, which is that I think we could be about fifteenth this season. Hmm. I feel like after after the Sheffield United game, we'll have played Liverpool, one of the best teams. We'll have played Fulham who I think we can agree are probably one of the worst teams. The worst team. And we'll have played Sheffield United, who are, mm. you know, a different kind of yeah. challenge. And we'll, we'll have seen us against three different, very different kinds mm. of teams. Then maybe then we can start to have some idea of, you know, how things are going to Yeah, yeah I'd, I'd like to think by that point, we've got four points. I think we, I think, yeah. I think that is really important. Like the, to, yesterday was fun. And we go we go away with from it being like well we gave our we gave a good account of ourselves unfortunately we lost but we now we need to go and beat Fulham to to follow that up and then um I would be more than happy with a point from um, Sheffield United but obviously if if we've what if we've beaten Fulham with a good performance after we've had a good performance at Anfield we could be saying hey let's go get six points so hmm. but we have to do that first. <laughs> Before we can really judge, yeah, and I'll be I'll be feeling much more confident um, after we've gone to Sheffield United and put up some XG. Basically, um, that's they're the games where I want to see us actually competing in, um, and and uh, you know, like scoring three goals from next to nothing against Liverpool is great fun, and I had such a good time yesterday. But I want us to be putting up one point five two XG against Sheffield United, and and you know not and giving them giving away a comparable amount as well so which is yeah. a very negative boring way of looking at life but <laughs> you know and this podcast is about we talk looking, about analytics and tactics yeah, exactly. we are We're those boring. people <laughs> right just quickly positives and negatives from yesterday let's start with positives hobsy any positives from yesterday what are the positives we scored three goals at anfield <laughs> didn't see that didn't see that at all beforehand um we had a good amount of our players that looked really comfortable in mm-hmm. the, in the Premier League. Uh, everyone had their shaky moments, but um, and I feel uh, I'd been saying a lot that I, th- I felt that Costa would be uh, would thrive in the Premier League. I know quite a few people have said that, so it's hardly the hottest of takes. But um, I felt yesterday gave me good confidence that that will that will be the case. Those are my my main positives, Tom. Yeah, I don't think any of our players looked out of their depth. Um, I think uh, there were some really strong performances, particularly Bamford and Ailing. I thought. Yeah. Um, I I also uh, I also think that um, uh, Calvin Phillips, um, although his offensive play um, when he when he he quite often 
took bad touches and overran the ball when he was trying to you know move the ball forward. I thought in defensive transition he was superb. Uh, there were many, many times when he cut out um, potential quick Liverpool breaks and fast attacks, and that bodes really well, I think, because it's that's going to be so important as we as we you know go forward in the Premier League. So um, yeah, that they would be the things that I would pick out. Yeah, um, let's talk about negatives because um, we should. But I think the, the the main negative that st- stood out to me from at least the questions that people were asking were all about Pablo Hernandez. Uh, so Mickey T, nice and simple, says Pablo not, not at his best. How come? And uh, Thomas Wilson of Focus on Leeds says uh, thoughts on Pablo. I think we need someone with more legs in there and bring him on as a substitute. So um, let's just have a quick chat about Pablo and then we can look at maybe some of the other negatives. But um, yeah, Tom, what's your, what was your take? on Pablo yesterday I think Pablo just you know he's always operating in in the margins of probability yeah, isn't he? Yeah. he he he's always trying things he's always and and he just had one of those games where not many of them came off um we could be talking about him having an assist if you know Van Dijk hadn't got his leg in the way of that uh, cut back to Bamford so I with Pablo I always think it's just a case of he's always trying stuff and it, he does have games where none of it comes mm. off but but if he's never trying, if he if he's not trying stuff, then you won't have those games where he's absolutely incredible and seems like he can do anything either. Mm. It's going to be really interesting, isn't it, seeing how Pablo adapts to us being underdogs. I think uh, because I think a lot of the time in the championship he gets time and space and the ability to sort of control mm. games. Whereas yesterday, as we've said, it was a little bit more direct. It was a little bit bit more sort of arrowing things out towards the wide areas. Um, and and that's going to be a different game for him to sort of deal with. So yeah, Hobbsy, what was your um, what was your view of of uh, Hernandez yesterday? Exactly what what Tom said really that he he is that player that plays the high, the high risk low percentage passes um, that they they did not come off yesterday. Uh, and then that every time Pablo has a game like that, people ask the question like, "Oh, is Pablo broken?" Um, but he always comes back and does something where everyone everyone's like oh he's still incredible and I think we'll still have that I don't think just because he had a difficult game against Liverpool means that oh he's not gonna he's not gonna cut it in the Premier League he's gonna be too unfit he's too old blah 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 he's like in his head his brain is (laughs) is a lot quicker than most most players on the pitch Uh, and I think he will still pull out some incredible passes he will still uh, run games for us, but yesterday didn't just didn't really suit him. It didn't work for him for whatever reason. But I still think he'll make a big contribution for us. All that mm. to be said, that if we did somehow pull off the Rodrigo de Paul signing, I'd be very happy for Hernandez to become that sort of super sub that he was in that mm. period of time um, after the lockdown. Uh, I think that would be a very good role for him and we'd have someone that had a little bit more legs and dribbling ability in that role. But as that signing is probably not happening, um, I'm not going to write Hernandez off based on one game. Anyone else want to add any negatives to the list here or uh, should we just keep it at Pablo and remain relatively upbeat? <laughs> uh, the only the only thing I, that's a negative for me is before this season, we, we were all wondering in all the various preview pods and stuff, what will Leeds look like um, when they have less possession than the opponent? And we still don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we 52% yeah. to 48. We've got more possession yeah. than Liverpool. Maybe we'll never know. 
Yeah, it's uh, it is it is a bit of an outlier as well. I mean, a lot of people were forcing me to trawl through Y Scout today and find out the last time that Liverpool conceded three at home and also gave up more possession than they had themselves, and it was all the way back in January twenty eighteen, I think, against Manchester City. Who again, it was a four three result. Um, although uh, honourable mention for Chelsea, who um, narrowly missed out in their five three game. But uh, yeah, it's it's going to be. It's going to be fascinating going forward, isn't it? It's going to be an absolutely belting season, I think. And I am absolutely looking forward to it. Um, so it was a real pleasure for us to have that at that game uh, as, the, as the opening one. And I feel like it will go down in sort of Premier League law, really. In, in the sense that, you know, it was just a it was just an absolutely crazy fixture. It sort of announced yeah, Bielsa exactly. to the Premier League in, in the most perfect way, didn't it? It and, fits um, the narrative of Bielsa, doesn't it? Hmm. And you know the way that we have that sort of Stoke win um, on mm. the, the Bielsa's first win. The I think the Liverpool loss will go down in the same sort of way in the Premier League era for Leeds. So yeah. it's quite nice to to be able to enjoy that. Right, um, just a quick thing. Looking forwards, we're not gonna we're not gonna cover the whole uh, Carabao Cup fixture that much. I'm not doing a tactics um, thread, I'm afraid, uh, because I do. I do need to get sleep at some point, but um, we are playing Hull on Wednesday in the in the Carabao Cup. I should mention as well, we, there was an under eighteen. The under eighteen season kicked off on Saturday, I believe, uh, with a three nil loss to Borough. Um, I'm not going to say much more about this because um, this is simply to to keep you informed as to what's going on uh, around Leeds United. The Leeds United under 23s kick off tomorrow at seven o'clock, I believe, against Stoke City in Premier League Two. Um, and it it will not be available on LUTV. I'm reliably informed, but there will be extended highlights going up as well, which is a bit of a shame because I would quite have quite like to watch that. But um, that's what's going on in the next week. We will be back on Wednesday, I believe, with a Fulham preview. Feels like we're already regressing to last season. I will be speaking to Jack Collins of Fulhamish Pod on Tuesday, I believe. So we'll, we'll have a fan opposition uh, perspective on that podcast. And then uh, we'll have a, a little chat about um, about the fixture and the tactics of it. And that will be on Wednesday. So do look forward to that. Right. The usual housekeeping rules. Uh, if you like our stuff, then do head over to our Twitter. That's where most of our engagement happens and, and most of the things we put up are there. That's at all stats, aren't we, on Twitter. If you like our stuff and you want to get more of it, then do head over to our Patreon where we put up a load of bonus material for our subscribers. Uh, I've mentioned already a number of times a video analysis piece that's going up tomorrow, uh, but there are other things that go up there, bonus podcasts. We put some written stuff out there as well, and we put up a couple of video analysis pieces during the week. Three people who have done that in the last week are Tommy Miller, Alistair Lang, and Polly Cummings. So thank you guys for joining us. And all that remains for me to do is to say thank you to Josh. Cheers, mate. And thank you to Tom. Thank you very much. And we'll see you in a few days' time.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.